You're listening to SPE Talks Tech. I'm Paige McCowan, and today we're talking about the Drilling Systems Automation Roadmap with John DeWart. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us. I want to introduce my guest today, John DeWart. John is founder of DeWart & Company. He has nearly 45 years experience in the industry and is a well-published author, industry-recognized consultant, and thought leader. Welcome, John. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. So, John, today we're going to talk about the drilling, uh, talk about drilling automation and the drilling systems automation roadmap and your program manager for the DSAR. Can you tell us about the roadmap and how it came about? So the Drilling Systems Automation Roadmap is a cross-industry initiative, which we launched back in 2013, with the aim to provide insights to industry participants and non-industry participants regarding the adoption and advancements of drilling systems automation, both onshore and offshore for oil and gas drilling. Three of us got together and launched it. After a couple of years, I ended up taking the role as program manager as we lost one of our founders and the other founder was heavily loaded with other things. We set about identifying what we classified as the best roadmap process and we discovered Sandia National Laboratories process. This is a process which they declassified and made available to the public. And in fact, it's the definition in Wikipedia essentially. And it's used by many entities in developing their own roadmaps. So we adapted it for our own purposes. We then set up a steering committee of 14 members. We identified people with range of competences to encompass the spectrum of expertises we envisage we should be covering. As we progressed, we identified challenges. We initially had nine challenge topics. And in order to develop the content of these nine challenge topics, we developed subgroups. And these subgroups were each led by a steering committee member, and they reached out in totality to 50 experts globally. So this was essentially a a virtual organization launched in 2013, operating through 2014, 2015, through these global subgroups. We held a series of workshops. Fortunately, IDC put these on for us with their world drilling and IADC art conference. And this enabled us to test some of our ideas and get feedback from industry audiences. Then we held a major review workshop where we had 90 people present in January 2018. We had breakout groups working each of the challenges and giving us feedback as to what they endorsed, what they supported, and where they thought there was further work to be done. Unfortunately, volunteering was not as quick as the other industry development of roadmaps. If we look at Department of Defense, they fund their roadmaps and they tend to go rather rapidly. Ours was going quite slowly and we needed to get it geared up a bit. And so we launched a joint industry project through IADC Drilling Engineering Committee. We managed to raise $215,000 across from, from supporters across the industry. It was actually a small amount of money when you consider the estimated cost, excluding value of the expertise put in the roadmap, but of all the volunteer time and and the funding from the JIP came to a total of $800,000. So essentially a 
running a roadmap like this is a million dollar operation. And we managed to cover 215,000 of it from our supporters. Wow, that's amazing. Um, a lot of volunteer time going into that. So how does it benefit the industry? So essentially it provides a wide ranging comprehensive overview of the expected advancement in multiple aspects of drilling systems automation. And we, are, we, we developed the roadmap with the intent to look at the expectations of the industry and not to dictate to the industry what they should do. Um, other roadmaps are developed with the purpose of saying this is where an entity wishes to go. The roadmap provides companies with insights on how to adopt drilling systems automation and particularly where to place their technologies. Essentially, it's an education tool to share knowledge more broadly across our industry and enable people to come and play, people or companies from inside the industry or from outside the industry. So what's the range of content um, and what are some of the deliverables? You said it was um, to where to place their technology, but what, what's some of the content and deliverables from the roadmap? So the roadmap is a, is a huge volume, actually. It, it's available online. at a specific website, www.dsaroadmap.org. And there, anybody can download it currently. It's got 14 sections and is 325 pages in length. And each section is downloadable as its own PDF file. So the 14 sections range from an overview through a discussion about the process we adopted, the vision and needs for drilling systems automation, a current future state description, the future state with the time we develop the roadmap and as it currently stands is looking at 2025. And then the challenges that we address. So systems architecture, communications, sensors, instrumentation and measurement, drilling machines and equipment, control systems, modeling and simulations, human systems integration, standards and certification, and, and a very much a placeholder in contingency management. And the final section is summary observations. And if somebody wanted to go and take the fast read, go to the final section, summary observations. Right. And what were the deliverables? So yeah. We actually created some, some good output. In the systems architecture, we proposed a hierarchy of reference architecture through pattern architecture and solutions architecture. And this is a methodology that comes from DODAF, Department of Defense Architectural Framework. And what it gives us is a means to have a commonality of effective adoption at the higher level, but allowing industry to develop their own solutions at the more detailed level. And recently we've seen a significant positive response to this and an uptake of this idea. Then there's levels of automation taxonomy. And this takes the work from Sheridan from back in 78 with the 10 levels of automation. And it actually mapped it out over four cognitive functions. We took a methodology that was already developed since Sheridan's first work and was most recently developed by the Single European Sky Air Traffic Management Research Project. And they're looking at a pilot and air traffic control. So it's a little bit like our situation with a driller or directional driller in remote operations. And we talked to the leader of that implementation and he gave us approval to use it. So what we've offered the industry is a level of automation taxonomy 
which gives a matrix of levels of automation across the four cognitive functions of acquire, analyze, decide and select action, and then implementation of action. And again, this is something that is now being adopted and frequently referenced in SPE papers. We also put out a decision and control framework, which we took from ISA 95, which originally was the Purdue model. And in it, we put examples of how our industry acts at certain levels, from level zero, which is the actual physical process, all the way up to the enterprise. And it's a very useful tool for discussing how communications are flowing, how data is flowing, how control information is flowing up and down the hierarchy. And then the other one that a group worked on really well was sensor attributes. And it was very important that they actually defined the attributes that we will need in our sensors and the quality we'll need in order to be effective in automation. Anticipated milestones were mapped into it in some of the sections, but not continuously. So people can find where the challenge teams thought the dates would be for certain developments in the transition. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about the milestones. So it sounds very comprehensive. Shopping online can now generate donations for SPE. Here's how you can help. On your first visit to smile.amazon.com, you will be prompted to select a charitable organization to receive donations. After selecting SPE, every eligible purchase you make on Amazon Smile will result in a donation to SPE. It's really that simple, and there's no additional charge to you. So start shopping today. From all of us at SPE, thank you for your support. Can you tell us about any companies that have implemented the strategies or developed products based on this roadmap? So I would say that the evidence of use is largely, or largely mostly anecdotal. So I know some interesting things. A large national oil company apparently instructed all their drilling department to read the roadmap, which I thought was very interesting. I know of a major oil company that did not have an automation strategy in drilling they reviewed the roadmap and said, we are adopting this roadmap as the foundation of our own drilling automation strategy. And now what I see regularly is publications, technical papers in SPE, articles in magazines, which refer to the roadmap, certain particular sections as their source documentation. So it's the basis of, a, of their strategies or the way that they're gonna develop drilling automation in the future. Yes. So talking about drilling automation, systems automation, who generally are some of early adopters in system automation in the industry that you're aware of? Well, I think it's interesting without naming companies particular names. What I believe we're seeing is a significant drive forward on US, in the US, particularly on land, and then in the North Sea. And in the US, originally a couple of oil companies took, led the charge, and then it's recently deferred to the drilling contractors and service companies, and they are now leading the charge. And what we're seeing is evidence that drilling contractors are using their development of automation as a differentiator of their offerings. And in the North Sea, it was a bit of a different uh, way forward where a major operator is pushing applications quite significantly 
And then the supply industry responded. And a lot of what I see happening there is a collaborative approach between this major operator and some of the other operators following suit and the suppliers. Um, what's interesting now is remote operations. Remote operations, you know, with the pandemic and also the oil price collapse, you start to see a desire to reduce headcount to save some money. And remote operations, particularly directional drilling, require on automation to do that. So we're seeing a, a big uptake of that. So you have digitization with the remote operation with the automated system on the well site. Right. I can I can imagine that it's a hot topic right now, like you said, with everything going on with the pandemic. What are some of the challenges of implementing the roadmap? What are companies seeing as a hurdle? So as I said earlier, we developed the roadmap as an expectation of how the industry would evolve. So it was not a roadmap detailing how to achieve a particular goal as a, as a business entity. Um, we did put the deliverables in there. And what we now see is that companies are adopting these deliverables that we did. So as I mentioned, the LOAT, the, the decision and control framework, and even now the systems architecture. So, so things that we developed within it are being adopted. So the roadmap, I think you mentioned this before, looks to a 2025 vision. Are we as an industry ahead of that curve and anticipated adoption timeline, or um, are we catching up? Where, where does the industry stand on that right now? So the original vision we pursued was developed by 120 participants at an SPE workshop in 2012. This vision seemed on occasions to be beyond reach, and then news of progress by some companies corroborated it. So I, in, in my mind, it's actually been a roller coaster ride since 2012, um, looking at are we going to get there or are we not? So if I, if I read you the opening part of this vision, it stated, in 2025, well plans are uploaded into an interoperable drilling system that automatically delivers a quality well bore into the best geological location, installs a casing and zonal isolation according to plan, and updates remote operators and experts in real time to changes in the situation. So what are we seeing now? We're seeing digitized drilling programs. They're becoming available, and these digitized drilling programs can then connect to the automated systems, which is uploading the drilling program. Um, driller stand, casing running, and other activities are being automated and are becoming uh, more common in the, in the more advanced areas. And then directional drilling is probably the leader service in the remote operations, and others which will soon follow. So as weird as it sometimes seem, seemed, I think recent evidence points to realization of this vision. And also during this year with the pandemic and the oil price collapse, it appears as a significant change of rate of uptake, a faster uptake, of digitization and automation. So what do you see as the next phase or what will be the next phase of the development? So as I just mentioned, this, this rapid uptake that's happening with automation and digitization at the moment. In fact, recently we've redefined this and the next stage of the roadmap will be drilling systems augmentation. Augmentation encapsulating both digitalization and automation. So we see this rapid uptake happening now, and a major service company was reporting that the 30% increase in remote drilling operations in Q1 2020 
and stating that 60% of their drilling operations are being run remotely. This is significant. So we looked and we discussed and said, you know, we need to consider doing an update. The Sandia National Labs process recommends an update every two to five years, depending again on the rate of adoption. And if you consider we released the phase one report to the funders, the JIP funders in April 2017, the phase two publicly released report was June 2019. We're now looking and saying we ought to do an update in 2021 that focuses on a new vision for 2030. To accomplish this in a time of human shortage, we are making some plans for a role at Colorado School of Mines to take the lead from mid 2021. Of course, this is going to cost money. So we're actually budgeting $195,000 for this role and for other needed support for this person to implement it. The challenge we're going to have is to be able to raise the funds, particularly in this current environment. We're also planning to add sections and these are specifically related to digitalization of drilling. So it's an expansion from pure automation to augmentation, digitalization, and automation. Much of the work of the Society of Petroleum Engineers is accomplished by members. Become a volunteer and use your knowledge and experience to influence SPE programs and activities. As a volunteer, you can enhance your leadership skills while meeting and working with other SPE members from across the globe. There are many opportunities to get involved, regardless of your experience, location, or experience level. To learn more about the League of Volunteers, visit spe.org volunteer. So you, you mentioned several times about, you know, the uptake for automations and remote operations during this time. What do you kind of see as companies, what are their challenges as they kind of not rush to do this, but maybe speed up their endeavors to accomplish remote operations and drilling automation? So the common statement when we get into discussions and debates on this is that the rate of adoption is not hindered by technology. It's more driven by the business models and politics in the drilling business. And I think, as you can see from recent publications, a lot of people are beginning to put out there that the business model needs to change in order that those that are developing these new automated systems can earn early rewards rather than just the differentiation as a competitive advantage. And then there are significant challenges when high cost assets ought to be replaced. That, that's happened all the time in our industry. So if you have a, a new design drilling rig, how can it replace an old one, which is not going to be obsoleted as a, as a financial asset? Unfortunately, the last wave of rig construction adopted advanced control systems with variable frequency drive motors. And this is technically a good application for automated systems over the top. The issue then becomes whose software and whose software, how safe and reliable is it? How does it connect to the various proprietary systems? And this challenge falls under what we've defined as interoperability, which again is a, a, both a contractual and a technical issue. There is an initiative underway to develop some standards to help advance interoperability across the various companies and systems in the drilling operation. But what's rather interesting and coming to light now is that business pressures seem to have caused individuals organ, individual organizations to bridge this gap more rapidly themselves. So there is more being accomplished in interoperability 
than is visible publicly. Again, sensors, sensor capabilities to support the automated processes. There are some initiatives underway for the drilling of rig sensors to generate an API recommended practice and for sensor stewardship guidelines. And this, the intent here is that these sensors then can be maintained and checked that they meet their capabilities. Then the focus is going to be moving towards sensors with higher capabilities, so higher quality that's always on data streams that's applicable for automation. There's some discussion about these and some people working on it, but we still need a big transition forwards in some of the more common methods that date back to the, shall we say, the mid-1990s. So the, this is a huge industry initiative. How do you go about getting buy-in from different companies um, to the roadmap? Uh, how do you promote it? How do you talk to other companies about it? So it's available publicly online at, as I said, www.dsaroadmap.org. Um, we've held workshops so we can have interactive processes. We follow up where we can, but at the moment, it's more that the product is available for people to actively take themselves. I think the big issue is to do the update next year and to make sure that we have that available for the industry. Right. Yeah, it's an important time to do the update, like you said. So I recently talked to Fred Florence about Drillbotics competition. Um, how do you think that competition could benefit um, the move towards further automation in the industry? So that's the competition using uh, college students um, to develop a drill uh, base. So first of all, Drillbotics is a, is a fantastic competition and a great accomplishment. And I think Fred's needs to be credited with the passion uh, that he has driven it with to get, get it to where it is. And then Sashi Tyler, who is now taking over that lead role from Fred. So what does it do? I think firstly attracts students from outside petroleum engineering. The successful teams have figured out that they can't do it with just petroleum engineers or drilling engineers. They need engineers from other disciplines, control engineers, mechatronics engineers, they also need to understand project management. And we really need different expertise coming into our industry. Drill, drilling engineers are not going to be able to do this. So that means that we need to attract these other, other expertises such as mechatronics. The other thing it's doing is creating an opportunity for algorithm development that can be added to the available portfolio of systems. Um, students have been quite inventive from what we've seen. The, the winning students do present a paper at the SPEIDC drilling conference in March and describe their accomplishment. And the papers they have presented have been very high quality, very well presented and demonstrated they've, they've accomplished a lot. <laughs> it's interesting to see that they've developed controls, control algorithms that successfully overcome the surprises that Fred casts into their unknown simulated formation test blocks. So I think there's the opportunity to bring in disciplines from outside uh, petroleum engineering and drilling, and also to have students make some breakthroughs in algorithm development with fresh minds. Yeah, it's, you know, that's, that's the piece of it, you know, getting fresh minds and new perspectives on it that could help, you know, move the drilling automation um, industry forward. So 
John, I really appreciate you joining us today and giving us a little insight on the drilling systems automation roadmap. And if you're interested in knowing more about the roadmap, you can go to the website dsaroadmap.org. Thank you, John. Appreciate your time today. Well, thank you very much for having me on the podcast. Let's keep the conversation going. Use the hashtag SPETalksTech on all your social media channels to reach out and leave comments and reviews. We'd love hearing from you. You can find all SPE podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. Search SPE Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and TuneIn. We're also online at spe.org slash podcasts. I'm Paige McCowan. Thank you for listening. <laughs>